Nelson, and you're listening to the Starting Block Podcast. Guys, I'm going to cut through all the intro stuff today. <clears throat> As you can probably tell, I'm a little under the weather, but I'm here busting my ass for you guys to give you all the information because you demand it. So if you want to know more about our show, go listen to the other episodes. Uh, what's up, Chris? How are you today, man? Uh, doing great, man. Doing great. Beautiful day here and, uh, you know, for a February, so yeah. hey. Yeah, I think that's what's got me all messed up. Is it literally, well, I don't even know what today is, Wednesday? We're recording yeah. this on Wednesday. You guys will hear this probably next Wednesday. It literally snowed Sunday night, and now it's like 80 outside. And <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm struggling here. <clears throat> so, but yeah, it is a nice day. Um, yeah, so guys, uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. This is Q&A. Um, and we're going to get right to it, man. So let's make it happen, Chris. What do we got? All right, so question number one, John and Chris, baseball season just started, but shoulder's already hurting. Uh, Had an MRI, there's no injury, there's no diagnosable injury. Now, I clarified that that last part with him face-to-face, no diagnosable injury, just an impingement. Any suggestions? Okay. As I said, just an impingement? It's just an impingement. Okay. Well, no I'll tell injury. you what. Nothing. You're, the, nothing you're the former physical therapist. Explain impingement to people just a little bit, and then we'll dig into that. All right. So impingement, the long and short of it, it something's getting pinched. <laughs> and, wow. You, know, it's, you can almost hear it. Something's <laughs> getting pinched. All right. Nothing torn. Nothing broken. Uh, no, you can have an impingement, and there is something torn and broken, or or broken. But in this particular case, nothing torn, nothing broken. It's just pinched um so in other words something's crowding in on something else any thoughts all right okay hopefully that makes sense guys so the definition of impingement something's pinched right that's (laughs) that's the official scientific definition of at least you didn't say pinch like living down here (laughs) i hear people say pinch all the time and it drives me up a wall um all right any other context? Um, was there anything else there? I mean, about like where he's feeling pain per se? Like, did he is he coming off another sport? Like anything like that? Well, just just because I know this person, um, it's in the front near where the insertion of the bicep tendon. Okay. Um, it's not right on the bicep tendon. Tendon, excuse me. And um, their uh, all muscle tests are fine. Okay. Neuro, what do you call it? Neuro target, square one, uh, okay. activation test, regardless. They're all fine. All right. So <clears throat> I'll dig into this one and we'll kind of, we'll go back and forth on it. So I, I always say first step is neuro target. We're going to check and make sure everything is firing the way that it should be. Um, that is priority number one. Let's hypothetically say everything is all right. Cool. And that's upper and lower body, right? I would Correct. then go also check the bicep tendon itself, the long head of the bicep. Have you all checked that, Chris? Yes. Yes, I have. And that's fine? That one's fine, too. Okay. All right. So uh, bicep tendon is in. Um, all right. So the next place I'm looking is going to be more from the – the. I don't like to use the word mechanical because I don't necessarily believe in mechanics, so to speak. I do, but I don't. I would go mechanical movement um, side of it. So I would start, personally, I would start at the glenohumeral joint or the shoulder, and I would be looking at 
internal external rotation, specifically external rotation from a um, a prone position. So basically laying down on your stomach. I don't like testing external rotation standing or seated because you can hyperextend the back. So I would start there. Um, I care more about that than I do internal rotation. I don't know. What about you, Chris? Five. Yeah, it, it, it's. I mean, you, clearly you need both. Sure, uh, absolutely. Rota- in order to pitch well, right. you know. And at the same time, you know, this goes back a lot, John, to what you were talking about with the FRC in our last Q and A, which is where I was getting right ahead. Yeah, yeah. And I figured you were, and so I, I guess yeah. I picked you to the punch. So but. yeah, I mean, like I would look at the internal external rotation, kind of more emphasis on the external rotation. You know, particularly if this kid's a pitcher. Are you is he a pitcher? He is a pitcher, yes. Okay, yeah, so looking at that, internal external rotation. And then uh, next level would be um, passive and active ranges of motion. So um, passive is essentially what somebody can get your joint into. Active is essentially what you can control. Um, you could go back and listen to the last q and I break that down a little bit more. So saying all that, okay, things look fine there-ish. All right, good. I look at scapular upward rotation as well, um, you know, to make sure that – because as we go into this, um, you know, as the arm starts to go overhead, we go into this horizontal abduction into overhead. The scapula, basically the inferior medial border has got to upwardly rotate. Um, for about the first 30, 20, 30 degrees-ish, the humeral head can move. Uh, and then if after that, then the scap's got to upwardly rotate. Otherwise, the humeral head or the shoulder is going to get locked. It's going to get jammed up, and it's going to find a way to create – um, movement in there, and that's going to be a problem. Um, that's where we can really start to develop some, you know, some problems on that anterior component um, in the shoulder. So I would go there, and then I would also really look at the the movement and mechanical side of it on the mound. So I would really look at some video. Um, you know, when it comes to the mechanics, right, Chris? Like we've talked about this, there's no such thing as perfect mechanics. Like if there was, then somebody would have figured it out by now. You know, and like I think it's something Tommy we've talked with. Tommy off air, you're Tommy John about, mm-hmm. you know, there are some principles though that play a role like, and that is important, right? Like there are, but I would be more than willing to bet that this particular kid, um, there's going to be an issue in the way that he is transferring the energy, um, basically the way he's transferring the energy from that lead leg up through the hip and spinal engine and then out through the shoulder engine. So pending, like I said, there's no major diagnosis. Everything else is looking good. Then what I'm willing to bet is happening is that as he's starting to kind of rotate forward, he's having to generate the energy from the shoulder itself. And that's going to cause the glenohumeral head to shift forward. And when it comes to pitching, it's all about keeping that glenohumeral head in, like keeping the ball in the socket. We don't want that thing shifting back and forth because when it starts shifting, you just think about it as you come down the mound and your arm starts to trail you, right? Well, if you don't have the drive from the legs up through the hips, in up through the core, and then out the shoulder, then you're going to have to get that drive from somewhere, and then gravity is going to naturally pull that humeral head forward, and that's where you start to get a lot of this anterior shoulder pain, things like bicep tendonitis, supraspinatus issues, that just front-sided pain that won't go away. And so I bet if you look at his throwing motion, I would be more than willing to bet that energy's not traveling from that lead leg up the right way, and then he's not releasing the energy on the backside either. So I bet you can see the issue in his uh, in his foot and his ankle as well, and that shoulder's jumping forward in his rotate in his movement, and that head's shifting forward. And so to solve that, that's training, and then uh, I just get the newbie on him if the doctor said okay, and start to break down all these different compensation patterns. All right. 
<clears throat> well, interestingly enough, too, um, which kind of goes pretty much hand in hand with what you've just said, and that is just plain and simple standing and sitting posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I absolutely. mean, all day, you know, you see, I, yeah, I know this person. I know he tends to slump. And, uh, you know, as a result, he is in, you know, if you're, when you spend, you know, whatever, you know, 15 plus hours a day in a slump posture, well, that alone, just that position is going to put some pressure on on some of the tissues there. Um, yeah, you can think of it as, as something as simple as like, you know, the pec muscle shortens, chest shortens, and the back gets stretched out kind of. Yeah, I mean, so as a result, you end up with this, uh, um, you end up with a basically an impingement all day long. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it, there's so little force when you're just sitting there, just standing there, that you don't feel anything. It's not until you actually start moving so mm-hmm. dynamically as you're referring to earlier and now you start having symptoms mm-hmm. um and just yeah. just so you know especially coming down the mound too yes yes and now this person does not hurt exercising does not hurt in the weight room does not hurt doing sprint work does not yeah, hurt that's because the humoral head isn't shifting back and forth correct only when mm-hmm. he throws so yep, yes exactly. and there you go so yeah <laughs> So if you're if you're watching or if you're listening on audio, which I think the majority of our audience does, sorry, um, but for those of you guys on YouTube, you can see the picture I'm holding up here next to the uh, the camera. This is a a quick breakdown of one of the uh, one of your fascia lines, like this one in particular. <clears throat> excuse me, the functional line, and the functional line um, is re- I mean it's really important. It has a lot to do with trunk momentum and uh, you know the musculature to the strength of the limbs. Um, and it definitely works from a contralateral standpoint, meaning like, you know, right leg, left upper body. So that's why I'm saying I, I am more than willing to bet the issue is actually deriving from, I agree with posture, but the lower body, it's out of sync and that head is shifting forward. So, um, I bet if you put him through a dead bug exercise, I bet he would really struggle with that because I bet that, um, posterior oblique sling is all kinds of messed up back there. Um, and it, and it just dawned on me, we did not check him for tib fib. So that's another, that's thing. another, that's another good, uh, good point too. Yeah. I mean, tib fib could play a role in it as well. Um, but I mean, heck, even if the tib fib is healed, like if the arm is still trailing like that, you are going you're going to have issues. That's just, that's where I believe in the mechanical side of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know anything about pitching coach. Like if they've been starting to change his arm slot and things like that. Then we got issues. I, that's why um, let's see, I'm trying to think when, let's see, you'll hear this in two weeks. So, yeah, so Wyatt's episode will have come out by the time you guys hear this. And um, Wyatt, if you didn't hear it, go listen. It's a good episode. He's a pitching coordinator down at Oxford I work with. But, uh, you know, we talked about arm slots, and I, I really don't like when people get involved in arm slots. I think that's a bad idea um, to a degree. I, I think your brain knows how to throw. You know, something Dan Fichter always would say, it's like, you know, when you were two or three years old, you just picked up a rock and threw it. You didn't go to rock throwing school, you know. Right. So, kind of same thing. I think where the pitching instruction comes in is, you know, grip and release points, and you know, glove side, you know, things like that. I think that does matter absolutely. But uh, yeah, if messing with the arm slot, then that could be playing a role too. So, yeah, there's a lot to that. Um, I don't know. Did we answer that enough? Give give him something to take with him. Try a I dead bug. So. If you don't know what dead bugs are, man, talk to Chris. And, yeah. Uh, or just go Google them because 
I do a lot of dead bugs with my throwers, a lot, especially on the opposite side. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a great point, and that'll be something that we give a shot to next time. So, and I bet if you scanned them with the newbie, I guarantee his hamstrings will light up too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Yep, yep. and I, I've been meaning to put a post about this, and I might even do it tonight. So it'll probably you guys have probably seen it then. But I've had a couple throwers come in. Um, you know, and I mean, baseball's picking up now, so you're starting to see guys, you know, complain about some arm issues and, you know, knock on wood, none of them, you know, none of them are consistent people in the gym. They're, you know, coming off basketball or something like that. But I've had a couple college guys come in recently that don't train with us anymore because they're in college and mm-hmm. they've got some arm issues and you see the exact same things with them, every single one of them. Right. Um, Absolutely. They're very, it's a very, they're very weight room dominant schools. They've gotten extremely strong. But they've – I hate the term functional. I just – I hate that. Um, we need to figure out a better name. <laughs> like, everything is functional. But just movement-based stuff. Like, their movements now are poor. And you're seeing the same patterns. Like, if you scan with the newbie, I find them, I find the exact same pattern. They're going to be on the functional line. They're going to be on the spiral lines. And they're definitely going to be on that posterior side, even if it's an anterior problem or a front side problem. So – you know, dads and coaches, if you guys aren't doing backside work, like, and I'm and sorry, but squats and Roman deadlifts are not the backside work I'm talking about. You know, yeah, I'm talking about glute hams. I'm talking about, you know, iso extreme lunges. I'm talking about altitude drops. Um, you know, done with the you know backside emphasis. Um, I still like reverse hypers. Um, I still think there's a, a ample benefit there when done the right way. You know, you got to get that backside side strong and balanced. Right. Yeah. There's, uh, there's, as you said, there's so much emphasis on the front, the front, the front. Plus we live our life in the front, you know, in front of us. Yeah. But sport and life dictates we live in the back. Right. Right. So it's, it, (laughs) yeah, it, 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 uh, you know, bears saying that, uh, yes, you need to spend your time training and developing things in the backside. No question. So if you, if, since you know the kids, since the email came from the kid, I mean, if you know them, <clears throat> and if you're able to, like, what, like, did what the doctor and PT, like, what they want him doing? Did they, can you give that information out? Or do you know? Uh, no, only what the diagnosis was from uh, the person himself. So, I got you. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's where I would look, man. I would look at your video and I'd check that, uh, check that shoulder and see if it's working the right way. And I bet you struggle on the ISO extreme push up too. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, I bet it's a big struggle there. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think those are all places to start. I, I think traditional – I'm not saying rotator cuff work is is bad. Um, well, like, it tends I'm, to it, be thought of as the be-all, end-all for most children. They're like, just keep doing – you know. Yeah, just keep and, doing your rotator, keep doing your band work, right? Right. And it's and like, the, yeah, the, keep going. I mean, you're good. I'm just, I'm just talking about it. But, yeah, you're, I mean, it's – there's a time and place, sure, but as I as I've said before, like yeah, you need a strong shoulder girdle and like rotator cuff, but the energy leaves the shoulder and arm. It, you don't derive it from there, and that's Correct. the problem. If you keep trying to derive energy from that, then that's where you're going to start to run into issues. And like, there may be an extremely weak, um, you know, rotator cuff muscle. Yeah, absolutely, there very well could be. For sure. But, you know, J-bands don't just solve everything. And I feel like the answer for any type of shoulder issue is like, hey, let's just do more rotator cuff work. 
Like, right. And, no. and, and sometimes that is the problem, but sure, absolutely. very frequently it's not. Very but frequently it's More often than not, you know, there's more going on. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, look lower. Look lower, my man. Take a look at that lower body. Take a look at that uh, ISO extreme push up. Well, well, if you can do it as long as it doesn't hurt, but. Right. Know, right. I doubt there's something there, too. So, yeah, hopefully that helps them. And, uh, yeah, bro, feel free to, uh, we can help you on that anymore. Let us know. Happy to. All right, question, question number two. John and Chris, right. I got, uh, I've got a question on speed training in the weight room. So is there, some, is there a, a must-do exercise in the weight room to improve speed, or can you improve speed without ever going into the weight room? Uh, I tell you what, I took question one once you take question two. Okay. Go for it. Okay, well, uh, question two, uh, first thing, I don't think you ever have to go into the weight room in order to, first of all, to gain strength, period, to gain the strength you need to play sport. That said, that's not the same thing as saying that you can't go into the weight room and gain strength in order to improve in sport. Okay, so don't say, I, I, I want to be very clear on that. You, yes, you can use the weight room get strong, and also have it transfer to athletics. That, But you don't have to go into a weight room a weight room, in order to gain strength to play sport. Does that make right. sense? It or does to me, <laughs> but I was getting ready to ask you, okay, for the parent or coach or kid who doesn't understand this, define that strength component. Okay. Because people immediately think strength, and they will think bench squat deadlift. Correct. So, So what do you mean by that? All right, so let, let's go into, for example, uh, a bench press. How Strength, how much weight can you bench press? If, if the number's high, All you're, of it. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're strong. If the number's not very high, you're not very strong. That said, I think the biggest component to any of those numbers, whether it be a squat, a bench, or a deadlift, is – how fast and how what what is your position when you're doing those lifts? So are you in the right position? Are you squirming all over the place? Are you compensating? If you are, then chances are it doesn't matter how much weight's on there. You're probably not going to get the effect that you're looking for when it comes to transferring to a sport. Um, if Let's say, for example, we, we use sleds, especially in the summertime. We use a lot of sled work, and that could be called strength training, if you will. All right? That could be considered strength training. Some people consider it field training. Guys, it doesn't matter. It's resisted running-type motion. All right? We still move a sled as fast as we can. It still is resistance training. It's in a pattern comparable to running. Um, so... You know, do you want to call that strength training? You could. Uh, do you want to call that uh, uh, field work? You could. I mean, you could put it in either category. So, yes, that would be something that can we use it to, to improve someone's speed? Absolutely, and we do on a regular basis. Um, you know, so that's kind of where I stand. Now, can you use other exercises? Can you deadlift? Well, I know a number of people, yourself included, John, where you use deadlifts quite a bit, Absolutely. variations of them. And mm -hmm. can you use deadlifts to help you 
especially in the start, when you know the acceleration part of running. Yeah, absolutely, you can. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. have to? No, you don't have to. There's other things you could choose. Sure. Um. So, so for de- defining strength, it's plain and simple. How much weight do you lift? Mm-hmm. If you're now speed strength, how much weight can you lift in the proper position with high velocity? I think that's a much better carryover number. Correct. Power. I don't, I, I don't disagree will. with you on that. Yeah. So. So I, I I look at it as you know clearly defining the definitions, and I think in, in yes. this industry, people that's how people make their name is they try to you know say like oh you don't need strength to run fast you know you don't need the weight room you know they use these little whatever I'm trying to say like ad libs or whatever the hell they're called like just to get clicks or to get you know looks like but it it it's clearly like clearly define it. Like, yes, getting strong will help. Like, I mean, it does. But do you have to do you have to absolutely have a good bench or a good squat or a good deadlift or a good power clean to get to be fast? Absolutely not. No. You you don't at all. But like even when you look uh like let's go back to like the old Inno Sport model, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you can if you can test and clearly define where somebody is weak, like not strength. I'm just saying, like their weak neuro properties. So, neuromag, neuro rate, um, you know, neuro. What was the other? Dur- duration? Duration. Yeah. Yep. Or basically, strength, power, speed, and you can bring up that weak quality. Then it'll subsequently help the other quality. So, like, yes, I do think that if you are truly lacking in a strength component, then yeah, that will influence you know your speed. I do. I do agree with that. Um, mm. You know, but you don't have to be strong to be fast or be super strong. So you brought the deadlift. Like, yes, I, I do like to, uh, we sumo pull. Um, I will teach, you know, younger kids how to trap bar deadlift just because it's safer. But as you get a little bit older, like we do, we do sumo pull. Um, it's that's like I've said before, maybe less than 20% of what we do, you know, in a session. Mm -hmm. And so here's where I'll argue. And this, here's my clickbait, you know, comment right here is, you know, I don't really do any quote unquote speed work, but all of my kids always get faster than they have for the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. So how is that possible? They were only in the weight room. <laughs> well, they were, they were in the weight room maybe, but they weren't doing weight room type of stuff. So there's my clickbait ad type deal right there. Right. I mean, you know? so in other words, for example, and I tell people this, who we, if we're doing say altitude drops, for example, and that is, if, if you are doing an altitude drop off a box that's two feet high, and, and this athlete weighs 150 pounds, the amount of force that they instantaneously land with, you can't put that much weight on their back. Right. They can't deadlift, nor could they deadlift it in, in most cases. Mm-hmm. They're going to land with a lot more force. Now, that force is going to be instantaneous, meaning it's, it's going to be, very rapid loading followed by, you know, rapid force absorption, but you can't put that much weight on. They could not lift it. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the ways that, okay, it's not, is it a traditional strength training exercise? Not really, but is it something you can do in the weight room? Yeah, of course. I mean, we're the same, same as you, John. I mean, we do that in the weight room all the time. We do high velocity and we load often, very frequently using velocity. You know, you, you, you land from, from, a, from an elevation, 
there's a lot of force you're landing with, um, mm-hmm. even though the weight of your body doesn't change. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think we're on the same page, you know, with that. Um, I, I say I would probably do a little bit more, you know, quote unquote strength work than you do. Um, but it's like you said, kind of, actually you didn't say developing the usable strength. That's kind of how I like to look at it. Like, I don't right. care how much you squat or deadlift. If you don't know how to display that, then that's, that is what truly matters. And I think in our system, that's where things like ISO extremes and altitude drops and rebounds, you know, play, you know, play a massive role in that. And that's why our guys get faster is because they're learning how to recruit more muscle and be able to recruit it at high velocities and uh, in the proper coordinations. And so, Sure, you know, just we may do four sets of five on a sumo pull, you know, and actually when you start to break down those set and rep schemes, it's actually probably more into that, you know, power realm-ish because we're doing four by five, so it's not an absolute max. It's mm-hmm. not really absolute strength, even though it can help build it up. Um, but then we'll go into ISOs, and so, like, we'll load those, for example, right, and we'll do them for a specific time duration, you know, so maybe it's whatever – race it is, you know, race it as they run or whatever, we go below or above that time threshold and load that. And that teaches that muscle to recruit more and more and more muscle. See, remember guys, like, remember we talked about this before, like your body, even if you're max lifting, like your body only allows you to recruit what Chris is something like 40, 50% of the muscle fiber in that, right? Somewhere right around Yeah. There. I mean, I don't know what exactly. And that's part of what training does. It helps bump that percentage up right and that's that's important yeah so like you you may you know if you spend all your time box squatting trying to drive up that one rep max understand that you know you're only maybe strengthening 40 percent of the required muscle fiber but now maybe the research is wrong you're the running guy you tell me but i'm pretty confident that when you go try to sprint full speed your body's going to want you to use a little bit more than 40 percent of the muscle fiber i don't know you do you know what the literature says on that yeah, it's hard. I, no, I don't. That's a good question. Okay. However, that said, I don't know anybody who is fast. I don't know a single person who runs fast who's not also at least pound for pound strong. Sure. All right. Sure. That said, I know a lot of people who are very strong, meaning they can lift a lot of weight. All right. So again, once again, going back to our our previous right. de- definition of strength, I know a lot of people who are strong in the weight room, but they can't run to save their lives. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. you know, so that said, do you have, so yes, relative body strength, how strong someone is relative to their body weight, I think is probably, if not one of the most, if not the most important, it's certainly one of the most important qualities a mm-hmm. person can have. No question about it. Now, is absolute strength, does it play a role? You know, uh, you know, if, if you have to gain 50 pounds uh, to, to get your, your squat up 50 pounds, uh, I would say the answer to that question is no. Um, you know, no, if you gain 50 pounds on your squat and your body weight goes up two pounds, I'd say, yeah, you're probably going to get mm-hmm. your potential to get faster has improved. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, yes, that that person who runs very fast, they can recruit a lot of muscle in a hurry and they can do it at very high velocity. Yeah, so exactly. And that, and that's what you know, I want to t- finish touching on that point of recruiting muscle fibers. And so, you know, that's why we're not going to spend a ton of time on that one rep max because you're only recruiting hypothetically 40% of the muscle fiber, no matter how strong you are. 
but it's things like the newbie or you know extreme isometrics that as you fatigue your body begins to recruit 50 60 70 80 percent of the muscle and that's what you need you need to be able to recruit that muscle more muscle and be able to recruit it quickly and efficiently and that's what chris was just saying right there and so like a cheat code for me and i don't mind throwing it out there is like you know i've used i've used the 531 you know if you're just one of those people that just still firmly believes like look i have i have to lift but i i don't disagree with you a, a little bit because you know, Lou Simmons would always say, like, strength is never a weakness. And I, and I agree with that. Strength is never a weakness unless it is completely solely focused on and all your attention is going into that. But it's not a weakness, right? So, like, I've used Jim Windler's 5-3-1 program for years. Years, you know, just to get you somewhat strong under a lift in a very manageable manner. You're in and out. You're done. And then you can go do everything else you need to do. That will actually make you faster. You know, so if you haven't used five three one, use it. It's a great program for anybody that needs to just get strong, just quote unquote strong, without trying to become this power lifter, focusing all your energy in there. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's a good question. It really is a good yep. question. I think it just goes back to clearly defining what exactly weight room slash strength is, which I, I feel like we did. So you know, it's not a weakness, but you don't necessarily have to be strong to run fast. Right. But if you do want to get strong, sumo deadlift. <laughs> to my deadlift there you go yeah cool um all right cool well, those are good questions guys i appreciate y'all submitting those and uh hopefully that helped you out remember guys if you got value out of this share the show that's all we ask of you just share the show show us some love and that's it guys uh, i'm out of here so peace out guys see you guys